Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Taking Control of Your Diabetes podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Jeremy Pettis. I'm joined, as always, by my, my good friend and colleague, Dr. Steve Edelman. And if for some ungodly reason this is the first podcast that you've heard from us so we are both adult endocrinologists we work at the university of california san diego steve also works at the uh, va Uh, we both do research in diabetes and see tons of patients with diabetes and of course work for tcoid taking control of your diabetes um we have a website check it out but anyways this podcast is a you know kind of a two-parter. This first one is going to be on testosterone levels in people with diabetes, and we're going to be talking about men. And then we're going to do another one specifically on erectile dysfunction. So, you know, why are we talking about testosterone? Well, it's become such a, a big thing in just kind of the world in general. I mean, you turn on the TV and you hear you know commercials now about getting your testosterone checked and do you have low T? And so people are probably wondering, you know, should I get my testosterone checked? Um, if it's low, what should I do about it? And particularly for people with diabetes. So anything you want to say off the top, Steve? Yeah, I'll say there's, you know, there there is a, a lot of centers that will turn into testosterone dispensaries, for lack of a better phrase, a lot of females feel better on testosterone once they reach menopause. We're not going to talk about that in detail, but it's also, um, it's important to note that the reason why we're doing the erectile dysfunction podcast separately is because that is not a real symptom uh, that we're going to talk about that. So it's, it's a common issue. There's a lot of testosterone supplements online, on the internet, and you just have to be knowledgeable. Yeah. So, you know, I was reminded of thinking about this topic that I did my fellowship and my kind of advanced training in diabetes endocrinology about 10 years almost ago now. Who was your fellowship director? I think it was some guy named Steve Edelman. <laughs> um, so I barely made it out alive, obviously. But, um, you know, that's when we really got inundated with all these new consults and evaluations for low testosterone that we really weren't prepared for. And it kind of overwhelmed our endocrinology clinic that every patient or every other patient was coming in for low testosterone. So how do we deal with this? So, you know, we have a little outline here and talking about, first of all, how common is this? And Steve and I have obviously done some some reading up on this. Um, and when you look at people with true testosterone deficiency, um, there was this large study that was people aged 40 to 80, basically, so men 40 to 80. And if you looked at people that had frankly low testosterone levels and symptoms that went along with that, it was only about 2% of people that truly had low testosterone levels. So it's really not that common when you look at just kind of like the hard, true diagnoses. But if you have some other conditions, namely people that have obesity, that increases the risk of having low testosterone by about tenfold. And similar things with having diabetes um, can really increase your risk of um, having low testosterone levels. Interestingly, it's more common in people with type 1 also. So it's not just type 2. So if you're listening to this, chances are you have diabetes um, and you might be thinking, well, am I at higher risk of, of potential low testosterone levels? So what are the symptoms of low T, Steve? Well, <clears throat> let me just start off by saying um, the main symptom is lack of libido. And a lot of times when our diabetic patients come in, they say, hey, I have problems with erectile dysfunction. Um, you know, can you help me? And, and you have to differentiate, you know, is it lack of desire? Or once they really get excited about, a mem- you know, their partner, they, they cannot 
act on it. Mm-hmm. So there's two big areas. And as you mentioned, Jeremy, a lot of the symptoms that you can see uh, on low testosterone are very vague. Yeah. Tired, weak, you know, just generalized yeah. malaise. And everybody's kind of looking for the magic bullet, right? I mean, we're mm-hmm. all tired. We all wish we were, you know, stronger, more fit, more virile. Um, so it can be hard to kind of discern these, these symptoms. So, you know, you mentioned that like kind of like classic erectile dysfunction. That's why we're doing a whole nother podcast on it. People kind of always associate those things. Oh, you know, if I have erectile issues, I should mm-hmm. get my, my testosterone checked. That tends to be more vascular issues, more nerve, you know, potential damage. Um, in classic low T, um, it can cause issues with like early morning erections. That's actually another like sign of low testosterone levels that people usually will get kind of early morning erections. If that goes away, that can be a sign of low testosterone. But other than that, it's not really associated, you know, strictly with erections. Yeah. And, and that's such an important point. Everyone searches out testosterone as the magic bullet. Mm-hmm. And once again, you got to really be knowledgeable because you could actually, we'll talk about this, but you could cause harm to your body by taking testosterone when you do not need it. Right. So, you know, if you're listening and you're thinking again, should I get tested? Well, yes, if you have diabetes, if you're overweight and you truly are, you know, thinking, gosh, I'm listening to this and like really my problem is libido, then yeah, you should probably get tested. And sometimes again, to put like a final point on it, it can be hard to tease out, is it libido or am I just depressed? Is it a mood issue? And that's why I think these consults are becoming so like, um, we see so many of these people, it's because, again, everybody has issues with mood and wishes they're doing a little bit better with whatever. Yeah, if you're if you're in a poor relationship and you're irked half the time, you won't be able to get that pup tent in the morning. But you have to... De- what do you call it? A pup tent. You okay. said you don't... You <laughs> yeah. lose morning erections. I, I just never heard that phrase. Well, oh, come on. You're from the, <laughs> I'm from the older generation. Uh, and I figured this is the podcast. We can get a little loose here. Okay. But I, I think it's very important. And... They've done studies, Jeremy, you would not believe this, but they've taken, in Japan, they took men with quote-unquote erectile dysfunctions, they brought in professional models, Okay. You know, and 80% of the men who said they had severe erectile dysfunctions with their wives were totally cured by getting you know, a, a younger, good-looking, different woman. So this is an old-fashioned study, but it's a true study. This is a ridiculous study. Well, you, you <laughs> couldn't do it today with all the, the rules so the and regs. So the idea there being like, the, you know, it's a mental thing. Yes. There's a lot of things going on. Yes. I understand. Okay, I could have summarized Thank that. Thank you. Um, so <laughs> here's the deal. Now, if you go into your provider, um, you mentioned testosterone. They, they, there honestly is some apathy in the medical community. Like, oh gosh, people want us to check like our testosterone. They might roll their eyes. Um, but if you really think that you have true symptoms, and again, if you have diabetes, get your levels checked. But no, it's a little bit more complicated than just getting your testosterone levels. There's kind of the regular testosterone, free testosterone. There's other hormones that they'll check. So you want to make sure you're, you're doing this with somebody who is kind of familiar with how to interpret these results. Um, and it might take, you know, a couple times of doing it. Generally, they do it first thing in the morning, fasting, and it might take doing it again to kind of confirm what your results are. Um, yeah. I was just going to add that, you know, the, the two major causes of true low testosterone is when your pituitary gland, which is a gland in your brain, reduces the secretion of a hormone called sex hormone binding globulin that travels down the bloodstream, stimulates the testes to produce you know, testosterone. Um, and 
then there is testicular failure, hypogonadism. So there are tests that look at pituitary hormones as well as, as you mentioned, testosterone. There's total testosterone, free testosterone, and there are times a day uh, that you should get your blood drawn, mm-hmm. typically in the morning, if I'm not correct, uh, and um, that give you the most accurate value. Yeah. And that's a good point. Like that's why you want these other labs because there are some of these kind of more rare causes of low testosterone. You want to make sure that's not it. Most of the times when we do these labs, they come back showing this more typical kind of just low testosterone syndrome in men um, and what to do about it. So let's say you get your test done and it comes back um, low and your provider says you definitely have low testosterone, what to do about it. And before we jump right to replacing it, you know, how to give testosterone, it's really important to think about other ways to kind of, I guess, quote unquote, naturally raise your testosterone. So first is starting with weight. So, you know, if you're going in and getting your your testosterone levels uh, tested and you're overweight or obese, losing weight is a very good way to naturally increase your testosterone levels. And they've actually studied it that depending on the weight loss, you can increase it by up to 30% just by doing that. Yeah, you know, and there is a physiologic reason for that, and, and you remember it has something to do with uh, uh, hormones that are produced that have the same structure as testosterone that are kind of anti-testosterone, you know, in the obesity tissue. And there's other structural reasons, too. Uh, there are men uh, who have, uh, I would say, sexual dysfunction because their abdominal panis and, and the fatty area around the groin area is so great, um, it, it causes issue there. So it's it's hormonal and it's sort of physical at the same time. Yeah, and it might be a good time to kind of tune up your diabetes regimen. So let's say you're type 2, you know, switching to medicines that can help with weight loss. You know, like this is just another benefit of weight loss is that you might not need therapy at all. And again, everybody's looking for the silver bullet, but there are issues that we'll get to with kind of, you know, replacing it. So starting with things that you can do kind of on your own, weight loss is a huge one. Another one is assessing your sleep. And in this patient population, people are overweight, diabetes, sleep apnea is extremely common. So if your partner's, you know, slapping you multiple times a night because you're snoring or you find that you're, you know, excessively tired during the daytime, um, getting assessed for sleep apnea. And it used to be that you have to go into an overnight thing and they would put all these wires on you. Now there's pretty good home tests that you can do to diagnose it. And if you do have it, using CPAP, that also can improve testosterone levels um, without even kind of touching a syringe or looking at testosterone therapy. Yeah, Jeremy, it's important to point out whether you're a type 1 or type 2, whether you're heavy or thin, you can get sleep apnea. For sure. And one of the pushbacks of treating someone with testosterone, it could make sleep apnea worse. So they kind of say, if you do have sleep apnea, make sure you treat it, get it under control. And then if you are a candidate for testosterone, you can get it. And these things can all work together. You know, let's say you lose weight and, you know, do your CPAP. And then maybe even you still need to do testosterone on top of that. Those things can all still kind of augment one another. I mean, yeah, you know, you lose some weight, whether your testosterone levels go up or not, you know, you feel a little bit sexier and all that. So totally. All right. So I, I think we intentionally have kind of, or at least I have like, put off talking about the actual replacement because people rush to that. 
it's like, you know, check my levels. I want it, you know, to be low and I want an injection of testosterone and I want to feel like, you know, better. But you should address all these things first. Get the diagnosis right. Now, if it comes through all this, your testosterone levels are low, you've worked on different lifestyle things, still low, you want to talk about replacing it. There are multiple different ways to give back testosterone, and you should just have a general sense of that. So ask your provider to kind of talk through the advantages and disadvantages of, of each. I'd say the two most common are that we actually do injections, and these are intramuscular injections. So you Ouch. have to get it into the muscle, and it can hurt a little bit. Good news is that we generally can do these every other week, meaning you have to do an injection once every two weeks, sometimes once a week. So that would be kind of the most frequent you would do. It'd be once a week. Um, advantages out there are that you're just dealing with something once every two weeks, not so like difficult. And you do it at home yourself. You can do it at home. Yep. If you're really adverse to needles, that you actually do have you know, clinics that you can go to and just do your injection for you. Um, the disadvantage there is that it tends to be kind of more highs and lows of the testosterone levels because you give kind of a big injection that last two weeks. So in the first couple days, you get this kind of high levels of testosterone and then it kind of wanes over the next two weeks and you're doing that kind of like, so it's more fluctuations in your actual testosterone levels. Um, so that's kind of one of the disadvantages. Um, the other major one we use is these like gels that you can get kind of a, almost looks like a soap dispenser. You can put a couple pumps, like a typical dose is like four pumps of this gel. You rub it on your skin, it gets absorbed. You do that every day. So advantages are there that's more of a kind of a consistent testosterone dose. Disadvantages are that you got this goop on you. Um, that you you know some people don't like the consistency of it. Um, there can be potentially issues of like you know rubbing it off on other people if you're in frequent contact of like holding a baby or something like that. That could be you know potentially something not really like that big of a deal, but you just have to think about it if you're exposing someone else to testosterone. Yeah, I should know this, but do they? <clears throat> I know that uh, women have estrogen patches. They put it on like a like a with a sticky, mm -hmm. and it, they put it on every uh, t twice a week, but they don't actually rub in the estrogen. There are probably formulations for that. Do you know if they have that? So they have patches also. So there are lots of different ways that you can do it. And again, it's it's worth talking through the the list with your provider. And then if you try one, and you don't like it, you can always switch. So just knowing that there there are different options. When I put on my Omnipod next time, I'll just a little squirt underneath the patch. Just a little little <laughs> little dab will do you. Teapod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so now you got your low T, you're getting your injections or whatever it might be. Um, it's important to know what the potential benefits are, what the potential risks are, and then how you're doing on it. Um, I would definitely take the time before you start therapy to actually write down what your symptoms are, how you're doing, so you can kind of have some objective measure of am I doing better? Because a lot of times I'll see people three, six, a year later, three, six months or 12 months later, and they'll say, yeah, I don't really know if it's doing anything, but I'm just kind of taking it. And then, you know, you can always stop it. So sometimes people just are on this and they don't even know why. So write down why you're taking it. No, that's, <laughs> that's, that's true with a lot of drugs yeah. we take. Jeremy, um, how often should people get their testosterone level measured on testosterone? Because there are uh, uh, adverse issues when you're on too much. Yeah. We so definitely once those. you start, you know, some short time after you get started, a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, checking with what your levels are. And depending on what you're taking, injections or the gel or whatever, 
your provider needs to be very specific about when you get that lab drawn. Because as I mentioned, getting your testosterone level checked the day after your injection is going to be very different than getting it drawn two weeks after your injection. So you have to be consistent with that. But I think it's important in terms of monitoring. Yes, you monitor the actual levels of testosterone, but monitoring your symptoms and what you might expect. So the overall kind of consistent effects that people do notice an increase in their sexual desire, their libido, um, those are things that, that tend to um, improve, but generally not so much the erectile dysfunction. So again, if that's what people are taking it for, they probably should take something f- specifically for ED along with the testosterone. Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's an excellent point. And I think, you know, um, one question I wanted to ask you um, is that, do you think people need to go to an endocrinologist uh, or a primary care doctor? Um, you know, I, I know some primary care doctors really are quite knowledgeable in this area and others are not. You know, and you and I are knowledgeable about diabetes and other endocrine conditions, but we're not knowledgeable about everything. Mm-hmm. I think if you can, I absolutely would. I mean, there's just a shortage of us in general, but there's like, there's a lot that goes into this, you know, and so you don't want someone to be laissez-faire about it. And it might be seeing an endocrinologist initially and getting the dose started and then you kind of get handed off. Um, but I, I think having somebody check in and make sure you got the diagnosis right would be ideal. You know, that's, that's a great suggestion. Yeah. Now, some other things to just kind of keep in mind is that if you're looking for changes in kind of your mood or cognition, that's not really been shown to be in effect. So if you're just saying, you know, I'm kind of feeling down and out, I'm hoping my mood would improve, in general, that doesn't change much. People's physical function and kind of their physique will change, that they tend to have more kind of lean body mass. Um, And when they've looked at kind of more like, elderly people that have issues with walking and things like that, that kind of extreme that can really help with that. Um, but don't just expect to go from, you know, a couch potato to Arnold Schwarzenegger just by taking testosterone like alone. Certainly if you're doing exercise and things like that, it might augment it. Yeah. And I can jump in here and say that um, when I talk to my endocrine colleagues that see a lot of patients requesting testosterone, many of them are weightlifters Yeah, and they want to, they're in competition. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the downsides for you guys taking high dose testosterone is that cuts off that pituitary hormone uh, testy axis, as we say, and then your testes shrink up. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's not a good thing. No, it's not. So I'll I mean, come mine, back to that. Mine will shrink really... down to a normal size, but <laughs> other than that. <laughs> um. Other things that, you know, they've looked at, it doesn't really affect glucose control. People's blood sugars don't change much. Um, But yes, let's talk about the downsides because these are important. And actually, when you're talking about decreased like testy size, what is really important about that is if you're of reproductive age, you can become sterile. So if you're, you know, 20, 30, 40, and you're thinking about having kids and you go on chronic testosterone, it could prevent your ability to do that. So it's something you absolutely need to be aware of. Yeah. And I just to expand a little bit to help you understand when you take testosterone injections, your brain thinks you have a ton. Mm -hmm. So it turns off this important hormone called sex hormone binding lot, which goes to sperm and testosterone production. And that's why your testes shrink up and and you become sterile. Yeah. It's actually LH and FSH, the hormones from the pituitary, but we'll send you back to school. (laughs) You said it earlier and I didn't correct you. You should have corrected me. Luteinizing hormone. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? 
what is sex hormone biting globulin? That's another thing. That's, that's really another sick. thing. Okay. Well, do you know what? I, I'll stick you to diabetes. I'll, I'll stick to diabetes. <laughs> As I told you, I'm not an expert. Um, all right. So downsides. It can make you sterile. It can shrink your testes. Um, it can cause just like hair growth on your um, on your back, your face, other areas that maybe you don't like really want it. It can expedite hair loss potentially on your head. Um, and then probably the biggest risk, though, is that... Uh, Interestingly, testosterone is related to increasing the amount of red blood cells you have. So it can increase your hemoglobin or your hematocrit. And if that gets too high, it can make your blood essentially thick, which can lead to strokes. Clots. Clots. Yes. So that is like the major, major risk. Um, so it's something that needs to be monitored in addition to your testosterone levels is what's happening to your hematocrit or your hemoglobin. Um, because maybe maybe you need to bump up a little bit if you're anemic, but it can become problematic if you're um, if it's too high. Yeah, and if you have uh, prostate cancer, right, that's super important to talk to your oncologist or whoever's taking care of you because you got to be really careful there because it could stimulate uh, right. cancer growth. So prostate cancer is one of our kind of absolute no's in terms of starting. If you have prostate cancer, I mean, one of the treatments of prostate cancer is medicines that actually decrease your testosterone levels. So it can increase the size if you're known to have a prostate cancer. It doesn't seem to increase the risk of just getting a new prostate cancer, if you know what I mean. Um, but if you certainly, if you have it, you want to avoid it. The other thing comes that comes up is, does it just enlarge the prostate in general, that people can have issues like peeing or what we call benign prostatic hypertrophy, BPH, um, and it might increase the size of the prostate. So if you already have issues like urinating and things like that, it's something else that you have to keep in mind. Finally, can make sleep, or sleep apnea worse. So there's some positives, but you see the list of negatives is not short. And that's why you want to make sure um, and darn sure that like you actually have a diagnosis. And if you do go on treatment, that you're getting benefits from it. And people do benefit from it. But I'd say more often than not, people come back and say, it's not working. I need more. Or, you know, you're kind of futzing around with the dose forever. I am certainly not adverse to using it in patients, but it's the rare person that comes back and is like, my life is different, you know, from going on testosterone. There's usually other things that need to be kind of worked on. Yeah, you know, you make a great point earlier. I'll repeat it that, you know, it's important to really know why you think you, you need it, monitor those over time, and see if they actually improve. Right. And the other thing I want to send a warning on that, um, be careful on what you buy on the internet that's, that claims they can raise your testosterone levels because you can get toxic levels. Totally. You can get medications that don't work. And, you know, I, us endocrinologists, when I speak to Dr. Woods at UCSD, um, you know, we're not supposed to give out testosterone to people that don't need it. So it's very hard for her when someone comes in, they think they want it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we get a lot of pressure to prescribe testosterone. So it's, and the reason why we get a lot of pressure not to, to prescribe testosterone because it can be dangerous. Yeah. And if you're low, it could be very helpful. Right. And so the other thing that you kind of mentioned is that, you know, let's say you've been on it for a while and you do change some of these things. You lose some weight. Um, you know, you start treating your, your sleep apnea. Come off of it. Check your testosterone levels again and see kind of where you're at. Um, but that's kind of all I have. I think hopefully people get a sense of that this is a much more complicated topic than just like, give me the, like the man hormone. So I feel like, you know, better in all these aspects. It definitely has its positives, but it has its negatives too. Yeah. And I think I'll just emphasize what you said already, Jeremy. It's important to get a proper workup Yeah, because you want to know if your testes are failing at the side of the testes or you don't have enough 
LH, FSH, <laughs> which comes from a, a gland, as I mentioned before, a pituitary gland. And sometimes if it's, uh, if one pituitary, pituitary hormone is low, there could be others. So your doctor, uh, endocrinologist most likely would order maybe a little panel of pituitary hormones to make sure that there's no tumor up there squeezing out the other hormones. So it's it's important to get worked up. That's, that's what we're trying yeah. to sell you. So we'll just go back on the podcast and every time you said sex hormone binding globin, we'll edit it out and just say LH, FSH. So. I got it. <laughs> but, okay, but you know what? Sex hormone binding. It sounds well, I mean, better. I mean, sounds, it is a thing. But I, mean, just, I had you fooled. You no, looked at me at like all. I said something wrong. You didn't have me fooled. I was embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, always good doing this with you, Steve. And uh, you know, look out for our next one on erectile dysfunction too. Goodbye, Jeremy. Goodbye, Steve. <laughs> <laughs>